Hey, it's me, and I have some really good news. YOY is headed to Chicago this November. We're putting on a live podcast taping and a dating game on stage at Chicago Theater Works. And we're teaming up with the Third Coast International Audio Festival to do this. They have a great lineup, including Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, NPR's Code Switch, and the Radiotopia show Love and Radio. Be sure to bring a wingman. We're also going to have to assign you one. Tickets are on sale now at thefestchicago.com. That's thefestchicago.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Emily is 29 years old and from the mountains up in North Carolina. She just moved from Baltimore to Miami to start a PhD program. And during that move, while she was driving through North Carolina on a mountain road, she wondered what it would be like to bring a boyfriend back to her hometown. I thought to myself, like, maybe I'm going to meet someone in Miami and I'm going to be able to bring them back and introduce them to this place. And in my head, I was like, would that happen by Christmas? No, Emily decided that's got to take at least a year and a half. Still, when she got to Miami this summer, she was bored and trying to meet people. So she got on Bumble. And in those first few days, she noticed a guy there named Patrick. Patrick, and I'm 35. I'm from Haiti. Patrick had just deleted his Match.com account and started using Bumble. And I had actually matched with Patrick... Within the first couple of days that I was here. She had a picture where she was doing ballet and she had pictures like she, her pictures were more original, so to speak. She was very attractive. So definitely attractive. I thought he was very attractive. And then he had something in his description. I can't remember it word for word, but it was something like, you know, mentally mature, gainfully employed. He had a list like that, and at the end it said dot, 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 and emotionally available. Emotionally available means that I'm not hung up on an ex, because I've been single for over a year, like a year and a half. And I think that if you're going to go on a website to, to, to go on dates, you should, you should be over your ex and, and all of that. And something about that like made me chuckle, and I thought it was kind of cute. 
there's a picture of my dog in there, and she said uh, something like, "Who, who's your dog doing the sexy eyes to?" <laughs> so that was clever. And then I, I, I remember replying, "Oh, it's just a friend." But it didn't really go anywhere, conversation-wise. And we stopped messaging after that for like a month. I was disappointed, but again, like, just didn't want to push something that didn't seem like it was going to work out. So on Labor Day, Patrick sent Emily a message, and he asked her out to dinner. So I thought, okay, why not? Like, I'm not doing anything this evening. I'll, I'll go to dinner with him. I'm not a drinker, so I don't really go to bars. I figure if I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat. So it wasn't one of these, like, you know, we talked for six hours, and it turns into drinks and turns into, you know, whatever else. It was, it was dinner. Like, it was just dinner. She actually talked about how she, she used to kill mice. Like she, would, like, she would find mice at her house, and she would kill them on the first date. So, so I was laughing. I was, this guy's really not trying, but I still like it. By the end of it, he had already asked me to come over, like, the following Tuesday to cook me dinner. But on the day of their second date, that Tuesday, it was announced that Hurricane Irma was headed to Miami, a Category 5 storm. All of Emily's classes were canceled. All of her classmates were flying out of town. Plane tickets hadn't been capped yet. They were still selling for thousands of dollars. And remember, Emily had just moved to Miami. She didn't have friends or family in the area. So she decided to stay. It almost felt defeatist to leave because I like had just done the drive and come down here and I'd sold everything in Baltimore and bought all new furniture and set up my little house. And the idea of like, Turning around four weeks later and driving back up was like, I felt like I had like lost or something. And she knew a few locals like Patrick who were telling her, don't worry, this happens every year. Uh, and I told her, just make sure you have gas in your car and you make sure you get some water in and you'll be fine. And he was telling me like, this happens every year. Like there's always a scare. It never hits or very rarely hits. I thought this was my chance to, you know, to be the hero and, and all that. And at the same time, I was like, if, if I'm telling this girl not to panic and something happens. <laughs> but, <laughs> and your but chances like are that. gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. So on their second date, Patrick cooked her salmon with baby potatoes and veggies. They watched part of a movie. And at the end of it, she wasn't feeling so panicked anymore. By the time I left that evening, my mind was like completely off the hurricane just because we had been, you know, spending time. And, you know, I had stopped thinking about the hurricane and started thinking about him. So the stress levels had gone down. And then they returned quickly (laughs) over the next two days as like the projections got worse and worse. Miami was now in full evacuation mode. There was this like post apocalyptic feel in Miami of like, People in line for blocks waiting for gas and grocery stores running out of everything. And so it's, it's just started getting more panicked and then a little bit eerie as we got closer. Her plan had always been that if things got really bad with the storm, she could wait things out inside of a lab at her university. But when she got back to the lab, it was locked up. She went back to her house, and her landlord was boarding everything up. He offered to pay her to drive north, stay in a hotel. So, you know, it it flashed through my mind, like, maybe I should ask Patrick. 
But it was like, you know, a wild thought, a wild stray thought. I I told myself, like, if you're going to think about this too long, you're not going to do it. So you just need to text him. Later that day, she sent me a a message saying, hey, we should go to North Carolina (laughs) away from the storm. My family is out of the country. How do you feel about taking CJ, his dog, on a trip to the mountains of North Carolina for the weekend? She worded it like that intentionally because it's easier to invite a seven-month-old husky puppy to come to your parents' house for a third date than the guy you just met. Patrick texted back like two minutes later. Not because I was like, don't look at your phone. Like, because I was already stressed and anxious about the storm. At that point, when you start texting back and forth with a girl, from a guy's perspective, when you're interested, you don't want to seem too interested. You know how how it goes. I mean, I totally know how it goes, but could you just, like, explain it for everyone else? Well, yeah, you have to put up a front, and and, and, and that's the part I hate, because I I like this girl. So I I I knew I wanted to keep seeing her. But I was at that point where I was like, I might be liking this girl a little too much and I need to step back. So that's what I was thinking. And then she sent me the message. That was a sign for me that, okay, maybe I'm, okay, maybe I don't need to be so careful with her. And then I looked at my phone and he had texted back and said, that sounds exciting. This whole time, Patrick had also been worried. I know after a storm, for the next couple of weeks, the CD, you, you really can't take anybody out. So I was like, okay, so after this storm is going to delay my next time seeing her. So that, that's all I was thinking. He liked how different she was compared to all the women he usually dates in Miami. I thought I liked a certain type, and I realized that you really don't know what you like until you, you're in front of it sometimes, you know? So Patrick was definitely not leaving because of the storm. I didn't want to let her know that. I was like, okay, wow, okay, the storm's coming. We have to leave anyway. So (laughs) we left. And I was excited, though. They left together at 3 in the morning. And it started out a lot like a date. I have these, like, sort of fun, silly questions I often ask on, like, a first or second date. And I had gone through those, you know, on the first four hours. We stopped to put gas, and we, we saw the lines of people, and then, traffic started happening and so it, this was the point where we started more started to talk about us and try, we started to get to know each other and all that so after that you start getting to like actual serious conversation and start telling each other all these backstories of your lives that usually come out over a much longer period of time and then around 5 a.m emily started to get excited her favorite morning show was coming on I love The Breakfast Club, so I wanted to listen to The Breakfast Club. And I was like, don't judge me, but I want to listen to The Breakfast Club. And I was like, yeah, Charlemagne the God, and we were talking about, about the whole thing. And he was like, I love The Breakfast Club. I love Charlemagne. Like, let's do it. Nice, nice. Shout out to everybody that's leaving Miami and leaving Florida, evacuating, just in case Hurricane Irma is very strong, like they predict, making sure you're getting out of Dodge. Shout out to all you guys and a lot of you guys in traffic. So we'll I think that's when we actually started to understand what what we were into, you know? Because she's like she has she has pictures where she she dances ballet and she's from the south and and all that. And then she likes 
hip hop and she likes certain things. I was like, oh, okay. She mentioned certain things about Haiti and uh, like the music, certain music uh, about Haiti. And I was like, oh, she knows about those things. I was like, okay. Like she likes Soka and she, she, she you know, the, the Fuji's, like uh, Olala, she's like an old Fuji song. So I was like, all right. <laughs> About 12 hours into their drive, deep and slow evacuation traffic, Emily's car was rear-ended. You know, I felt the bump, and it kind of hit like, oh my goodness, I've just been rear-ended. I looked at her, and she was like, oh, that's okay. And I was like, did, did we just get rear-ended? And she's like, yes, but that's okay. I didn't want to deal with it. He was like, no, 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 stop, stop. So he jumps out of the car. So I opened the door and I got out and the, the guy the, the guy who rear-ended us was about to get out. And you could tell that people in the car behind us got a little nervous. And and I looked at the, the car and there was no damage. So I told him, you can go back in. And he was like, yeah, there's no damage. Keep going. But that's how you do it. You, you got to get out of your car and, and, and see what happens, you know, and maybe change, exchange information. So she's like, oh, okay. It was really comforting and lovely to have someone else who could, you know, get out and play that role of like, I'm going to actually check on things. I'm going to, you know, talk to the people in the other car. It's like, thank God I'm, I'm, I'm here with this girl. She, she, she doesn't know much about those things. So Emily is white and Patrick's black, which means that as they were driving deeper and deeper into the woods, someone had to bring up a certain movie. We were driving past South Carolina. We were on a street that looks kind of like the road where they hit the deer and get out. Um, so you guys uh, coming up from the city? Yeah, yeah. My parents are from the Lake Ponico area. We're just heading up there for the weekend. And I'm like, you, you want to bring that movie up right now? So I was joking, like, I'm taking you to this like house in the middle of the woods that you know nothing about. She liked the idea that I was scared, that, that that was funny. And it was on, like, the 17th hour that he leaned over and was like, you know, I've never done something like this before. And I was like, yeah, me neither. So when we finally were out of traffic and into the mountains, we were exhausted. We're an hour away from North Carolina, and I saw her. She was driving. We're sleepy. We're tired. And I was like, all right, let's, let's keep it interesting. And he had said, okay, every time we hit a mile marker for Asheville, we're going to kiss. And then she, she was like, okay, she was excited about it. So every time we would see one, like I would lean over, and we would like have a really quick like little kiss before I had to look back at the road. And then... Every time we see we see one, I would pretend I didn't see it to see if she would remind me, you know? <laughs> you know, little things like that made it really, like, sweet and romantic and reminded me slash us that this was actually, like, someone that we had chosen to go on dates with and it wasn't just a necessity of, like, we have to get out of here. 
And then we did that for for like the last half hour. We probably kissed like 20 times, you know? They're getting closer to her parents' house now. But it was very strange when I... Because I live in the mountains and my family lives in the mountains. So you know you're close when you start climbing and the roads start changing. And that was sort of the moment of like, oh, I'm taking him home. At this point, it was like almost one o'clock in the morning. And I have a dog with me and I we were in the middle of nowhere and I had no idea where I was. That's when I was starting to think like... What am I doing? Maybe this was not a good idea after all, you know? We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll see how Emily and Patrick are going to do in North Carolina. And we're back. And in this episode, we've been hearing about this insane leap of Bumble faith, where Emily and Patrick turned their third date into a 19-hour drive and evacuation date. And where you left off, you heard some of their hesitations in the driveway. But actually, the trip turned out great. They had a picnic in the mountains. They went to the movies. They even went out for North Carolina barbecue. We went and got this, like, huge lunch. He ordered, like, every type of meat that they had. That's the best food I've I've had ever. And then Emily had to tell Patrick something that she normally doesn't tell someone until they've been dating for quite a while. She's kind of into crafts. She likes basket weaving and knitting. So they made a detour. So we went and we parked and, you know, it's this like massive store that has all of these different types of like wool and yarn and stuff. And he loved it. The craft store just reminded me of a town in Haiti called Okai because it's, 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 it's the same smell because the people, the, the people use, use a lot of wood and, and you have that smell that, calming smell and I was like wow that reminds that reminds me of that place and they do the same thing over there and I was I was amazed and she that she was buying her different she was showing me what the different strings and just teaching me about the whole thing and I was thinking wow I'm, I'm learning and you know, I like this girl we had sort of moved into this space of like me actually sharing with him what I would normally do and him like appreciating it for what it was which I think was sort of like symbolic of shifts that were happening in general. Every single day we had, we did something that I haven't done before, you know, and, and that was, that was great. So the whole trip took five days total. That included driving up, waiting out the storm, waiting for the flooding to pass and the drive home. But to understand what happened next, you need to hear my interview with Patrick first, and then you're going to hear my interview with Emily. She was worried because she didn't have power at her house. So she called her landlord and there's no power and there's no electricity. So we were all worried. And I called and I, I realized that I had power and I had uh, internet and running water. So I told her, hey, you're welcome to, to stay at my place tonight since you don't have power. And she, she said, um, no, I, I have to check on my house. You know, so that's when I was like, okay, maybe this whole thing was just a, just a fantasy, just like a, a getaway or a fling or something like that. So that, that was starting to think about that. So she dropped him off and left to go back to her place. He was confused. I was still hoping that she would 
get to her house and make sure the house was fine. And she would call me and she would come back. I, that's, that's what I was hoping. And when she texted me, she's like, okay, I have to stay here and uh, make sure that, you know, I'll, I have to throw some food out. And I was like, what are you going to do uh, without AC? Because it's hot in Miami. She's like, uh, I'll figure it out. But uh, tonight I'm just going to take a cold shower and just, you know, and not dry my hair. And I was like, oh, okay. So I remember talking to a friend of mine that night, and I explained that to a friend of mine, which is not a good idea when, you, when you're trying to figure out what to do. Don't, don't ask your friends. Wise advice. Listeners, take note. Go on. My friends were like, yeah, she's, she's not that into you, dude. If you can stay in a house that's 95 degrees instead of coming to stay with you, after you, you, you drove with her 20 hours to her hometown and, and all that stuff, so that's not a good sign. So we were, so, yeah. So that was kind of like the first reality check. It, when, when you're into a girl and, and you start thinking that you, you like her more than she likes you, you you don't really want to think about it too much. You, that's when you try to think about other things. Because if you keep, if you keep thinking about it, you're gonna you're gonna call and you're gonna you know be a little too much. Uh, you're gonna. So I learned that a long time ago, and I decided to just let it go and talk to other people and you know move on. And, and now that same story from Emily's perspective. So on the way back, we kind of talked actually about what had happened and what we had chosen to do, you know, evacuate with each other. And he said, you know, the real test is going to be when we get back. And if we, you know, keep thinking of each other and we smile when we think about each other. So he was saying that, but then he had also told me, he had said a couple of times, like, I feel like I learned everything I needed to know about you initially from the drive, from the first drive, from the like 19 hour drive. So I had, there was some security in that of like, if he still likes me after that, then he must actually like me. But then when he said that about like, let's see if we think about each other after we get back, there was a sense of like, I don't know, like what's going to happen. And now they're back in Miami, days after the storm. I dropped him off, went in the house to help him unload. And he told me like, well, if you go home and you don't have power, you're welcome to come back here. And when I left, he was like, do you really want to leave? And I was like, yeah, I have to go. I need to go check if I have power. So the insecure part of me wanted him to, like, tell me three times to come back if there wasn't power. And wanted me to, wanted to be, like, really reassured that... He had such a good time. Everything was great. It was the best five days of his life. Like, you know, he, it was so sad to see me go. And it was a little bit, you know, it was a much more simple goodbye where he was a little stressed out because he had, he was missing his keys. He wasn't sure where his keys um, had been the last five days. He was kind of distracted with that. And I wanted to go because I had that sort of like feeling of, I don't want to be told to go, so I need to go. So she drove home. And my whole neighborhood was pitch black. And there was like a buzz of generators here and there. So I knew I wasn't going to have power. And I opened the door to my house and it like completely reeked. I had cooked food 
for for like a month so that like while I was busy with my PhD and work, I would have like home cooked meals I could just thaw and eat. So I had gone to Costco and made like all these meals and all of that was spoiled, of course, in the fridge and in the freezer. And it's like 90 degrees inside and there's no light. So there's a part of me that wanted to shut the door and drive back to his place and continue this whole thing and forget that I had to face my life. But I was like, no, I got, I got to like, I got to do this. So I texted him that I didn't have power and then I got to work and I cleaned everything throughout the old food, um, took a cold shower and then got into bed so I would fall asleep before my hair dried and I got hot. This whole trip has been the two of them deciding when to let their guards down, how to express interest but not too much interest, and when to take a risk by putting yourself out there. So against his friend's advice, Patrick did ask her out on another date. And I was like, okay, this is happening. This is real. All the bad feelings about the trip and all that went away and went back to normal for me at that point. And that's when we really started to be comfortable around each other. And I, I feel like I have a really good initial feeling of for who he is. I think this was the perfect storm. Uh, uh, no pun intended. It was. It basically uh, the fact that we went away so soon after meeting each other was great, and the fact that we had to do it uh, because of the hurricane made it seem normal. Not to be too sort of, you know, doom and gloom, but I do think that we're like headed towards a time, if not in our generation, then the next generation, where there's going to be a lot more emergencies and weather-based emergencies. So it will be interesting to see, like, if more stories will come up. And I bet we'll start to see, like, movies and stuff about this. My problem now is, say things don't work out with me and her, and... I meet somebody else. I don't think the, the typical date without the getaway will work for me anymore. <laughs> I can't go back now. Like, I think the older I get and the more relationships I go through, the more I don't actually want to start a relationship with someone unless I've very heavily vetted them. And then I realize that's really not fair because part of, like, Starting to love someone and putting yourself out there is giving them that gift of risking for them, like risking your own hurt and pain and heartache for them. If this is someone who eventually I'm going to care for and build something with, like this is one of my first loving gifts towards him is to risk for him. After all of that, there's one last thing she had to ask him. So when I asked him, he was, like, very, you know, I, like, built it up, like, okay, what's he going to say? And I told him, and he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, really? Just that? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I thought, like, of course the person who's willing to get in the car and drive to North Carolina is probably going to be okay with a podcast. We'll be right back. 
And now it's time for another blind Skype date. This is a new reoccurring segment we're doing. A little fun treat at the end of the episode. You can go first if you want. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, oh, my name's Emma, by the way. I don't know if you know that, but... I do now, so... <laughs> okay. I'm Joe. <laughs> nice, nice to meet you. <laughs> so Emma and Joe both have giant, incredible smiles, which was easy to notice because there was so much smiling going on. Here is their Skype date, recorded for our show. So, um, you live in Cambridge, right? That's what I heard. Yeah, where, where do you live? I live in JP, so not too far. Oh, you're on the orange line, though. That's, like, pretty out there. Is it? I love the orange line. Okay. Okay, my first question is, it's a pretty easy one, so uh, no pressure. But if you could live anywhere, where would it be and why? Oh, man. I've always wanted to live in Australia, I think. Oh, cool. I think it's just, like, super outdoorsy and adventurous. And I've always had this, like, idea of, like, being this beach surfer dude, even though that's, like, totally (laughs) not who I am. But I feel like I've always had, like, a dream of being that kind of person. (laughs) No, I totally get that. Have you ever been there? No, I've never been. I've always wanted to. So that's, like, definitely a bucket list thing for me. Me too. Okay, I guess it's my turn. Mm -hmm. If you could have any lame superpower, what would it be? Lame superpower? Like, it can't be cool, like, flying, you know? Okay. So I, I like to knit, and I'm, like, a big knitter. So I knit, like, blankets and hats and stuff, but it takes me forever to do it. Yeah. This past January, my boss was having a baby, and she asked me to knit her a blanket. I didn't finish it until, like, four months after the baby was born, which kind of defeated the purpose. (laughs) Right. But, like, after I finished the blanket, it was really nice, but it was kind of too late. So I think, like, my lame superpower would be, like, completing projects and hobbies and stuff in, like, a timely manner or, like, kind of sort of that. Okay. Last one. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. If I could talk to your friends, what is the most embarrassing story about you that they would tell me? Ah, jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, it's kind of a grab bag. Take any story from college and it would be pretty bad. But, um... Do you want to go first on this one? I need to keep thinking about this for a second. Oh, yeah. No, I have tons of embarrassing stories that I can just, <laughs> that, that have happened recently. I feel like I've gotten more embarrassing as I've moved to Boston. No, no way. Yeah. So I moved in January, and I go to this gym. I was walking down the stairs, and to, like, go to one of the rooms, you have to kind of, like, backtrack and go, like, behind the stairs. Okay, Um, And I was in, like, a weird, happy mood after work, and so I wanted to just, like, swing myself around the stairs using the handrail and just, like, do, like, a cool move. And everything went fine, except my hand did not catch on to the handrail. Oh, no. And so I just, I slammed into the wall. That was next to the stairs, like face first, slammed into the wall. I hit the wall so hard that I fall over. And so I'm just just lying there. And a few people come over that I kind of sort of know. But this was maybe like two months after moving, so I didn't really know them that well. And it, it gets worse. So a normal person would like shake it off 
get up and be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, that was weird. Really? I don't know what yeah. happened there. But I was so mortified that I was just, like, kind of wishing that it actually didn't happen. So when yeah. one guy said, like, oh, my God, are you okay, and extended his hand, I refused to get up. And my response was, I don't know if I'm okay. But, like, not physically don't know if I'm okay, like, emotionally, because it was so yeah. embarrassing. And he just looked at me, and he's like, what do you mean you don't know if you're okay? And I was just like, like do you need a doctor? <laughs> yeah. And I was flying there, and I was like, can I just please disappear right now? I just want to, oh, like, no. evaporate into thin air. That's an awesome go-to story. Jeez. Okay, my story is from not that recent. It's actually from high school, freshman year. Ooh, um, ooh. So I used to be a lot shorter and a lot smaller than I am now. And so in middle school, I used to play lacrosse, but it was okay because everyone else was also pretty small. And once I got to high school, I thought that I could still play lacrosse and hang out with everybody. But mind you, I'm like, I'm probably like 5'2 at this point and maybe, maybe 100 pounds. I just remember I, we were doing this drill and this guy who, to be fair, is also a freshman, but like much bigger than I was, like kind of gave me like a little push because you're supposed to rough each other up. Mm-hmm. And I, I just hear a crunch. And I went down and I had broken my ankle and like was just like carted off the field. And it was probably the most embarrassing thing in my entire life. Just like the entire team watching me break my, literally break my ankle in this drill that everyone had like totally no problem with. Well, how about this? You live, you live in JP, right? I do. Have you been to the original JP Licks yet? No. I haven't either, and we should probably go. We definitely should. Yeah, that's a great idea. Dude, all right, let's do it. Um, do you want to, I guess, take my number down, or yes. I can... Yeah, let's exchange numbers. Do you... Wait, do you go by um, Joe or Joseph? I, I usually go by Joe, and, you, and you're Emma, yeah? Yeah. So... Um, okay, whenever you're ready, you can give me yours. So Emma and Joe continued to text, on and off after their date, and in the end, they decided to meet up for a casual dinner and some ice cream. And Emma's surprised because she's been turning into a huge cynic when it comes to dating lately. Sorry, Emma, I take full responsibility. She had a really great time. Joe also told us that he had a great time getting dinner and ice cream. But maybe Emma had cause for her cynicism after all. After the date, Joe realized he just wasn't ready to date again. He's still not over his ex. Our show is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our artwork changes every week, thanks to Teddy Blanks at Chips.NYC. And our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, Lee Rosphere, and Evan Viola. Special thanks to Mia LaBelle and Andy Bowers at Panoply. If you want to go on a Skype date like the one we just listened to, we have a Google form for you to fill out. It's just a couple questions for you. Just visit yoy.date, the URL, yoy.date, and fill out our little Google form. Next time on YOY, we will finally hear CJ, the dog's perspective. He was in the backseat that whole car ride. 
he also had to go to her parents' house. And you know what? He's sick of being used as a proxy for Emily and Patrick to actually just talk about each other. He texted me something like, oh, CJ really liked you. He misses you. And I was like, yeah, I want to see CJ again soon. And so, like, CJ was obviously, we weren't talking about CJ. 